Welcome back, listeners. This is Just Goes to Show. I'm coming back to you from Chicago. This is Ridge. I'm here with my co-host, Chiss. What's up, guys? Uh, week two coming at you. We're going to do a little recap of the first week fixtures, a little preview, some uh, fun segments mixed in. Excited to be back. Yeah, welcome. This uh, must say that this this pod and week two here is sponsored by Southeast Michigan DJ, DJ Nikki Day. Um, for inquiries or advertising questions, just please contact us via SoundCloud message. Um, we can get back to you on there. You can also send him a direct message at Tall Guy Tweets. Yep. All right. So let's jump into Chris. Your reaction from from Week One. Um, some some big scores. Uh, a couple big victories. Uh, what are some of your initial takes coming off the first week of the Prem? <sighs> Feels good to be back, my friend. <laughs> um, that's my first take. Honestly, this felt really really good. Um, woke up. Bright and early. I, unfortunately, I couldn't watch the game on Friday. We're at work. Um, woke up really early Saturday. Caught Spurs, Newcastle, some of the um, nine o'clock Central games, and then also Wolves, Everton, and then did the same thing on Sunday. So I don't know. It just feels good to be back. Um, a lot of excitement. A lot of goals. The only goalless game was the Southampton Burnley. So other than that, there was a lot of goals and everything. I saw that one coming too. You know. Yeah. yeah not surprised there, but. Um, I don't feel too surprised by any of the results, but I'm excited to be back. I think a lot of the the teams played the way we'd expect them to. Um, you look at like United packing it in for a, a ugly two one win. Um, you know, City beating Arsenal two 0 Liverpool just pouring on West Ham. A lot of it was kind of what I expected from those clubs, but I mean, it just felt really really good to be back. What about you? Yeah, I think I think most impressive. Uh, I think Liverpool just with the first week of the season stated that their their seriousness and their intent to title for the challenge really early as much as that pains me to say. Um, a 4-0 thrashing of West Ham who again like we talked about in the preview pod had kind of spent well spent very big in the summer and um, kind of looking like the Everton of of this year and they floundered on the first day. Yeah, let's start with that match. Um I mean, watching it from start to finish, you you know Liverpool has the firepower. Um, I think Naby Keita was one of the big stars of week one. He really just bossed the midfield. Um, The biggest issue, I think, for this match is you look at 4-1 and you think, man, Liverpool's attack must have been great. West Ham must have been really leaky defensively. 4-0, excuse me. And there was a little bit of that. West Ham was a little bit shaky on the back four. Liverpool's attack is unbelievable. But I think the game was won in the midfield and... The big star for Liverpool is Naby Keita. Um, West Ham kind of floundered. You didn't really see much from guys like Jack Wilshere, Mark Noble. Um, they just looked like yeah, they were dis- just totally dis- overpowered. Yeah, disappointing debut for um, my predicted signing of the season, Felipe Anderson. But he'll find his feet. Um, Mo Salah, um, I was going to say Mo Salah took a slow time, you know, a bit of time to get get firing in the Premier League, but he got firing straight away, didn't he? Um, but of course, you look at that Liverpool team and the kind of the guy that people always forget about. I feel um, with all these big signings coming in, um, you know the 70, 70 million pound signing of Van Dyke, Kaita coming in on a big fee, Allison, yeah, uh, yeah, and um, and quietly Sadio Mane is is the piece he, of that attack uh, that has has two goals. He was great. Um, I don't even know if he was their best player. James Milner was also brilliant, but um, no, Mane was great. He's so dangerous. He's so fast, shifty. Uh, he scores, he assists, he was brilliant. Uh, I, I think already picked up my fantasy team for week two. I was going to say, I think he scored <laughs> in the first week of every of every season for the last three seasons. He looks really good. Um, so, I mean, that was not super surprising. Um, 
but the manner that they won was impressive nonetheless. So yeah. I think that was one of the big standout performances. And then staying on that Sunday fixture, you had the Man City Arsenal um, that re- you know result with two nil to City, um, but. Uh, you know, I feel like that fixture is – it's a little bit harsh on Arsenal, honestly. Like you look at uh, – a little bit harsh on them. I, I think when you look at a 2-0 win for City, um, you know, City are a good, good team. That's probably not the biggest margin they're going to win by this season. Um, and I thought Ars- Arsenal looked uh, looked decent at times. You could see effort and, um, and in, uh, kind of an intention to play differently with Emery. Um, and it was a whole different field up, you know, a whole different field of lineup. So well, yeah, yeah. Um... I don't know. I, I watched it. I, I think that there was never a doubt in my mind that City was going to end up winning and getting three points from that. I did think that Arsenal looked a little bit different. I liked some things that I saw, um, but it was it was interesting. They they didn't really look that great um, until they had brought Lacazette on with Aubameyang, and that kind of changed the game a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I just I was looking at their lineup from top to bottom, and I, I really don't see. I don't think they should be on the same pitch as City. Like, the fact that this is a top six club, they just look totally outmatched in some ways. It was interesting, too. Petr Cech started um, as the captain. He will apparently be starting next week, too. Emery said this week in the press. So Mm -hmm. your um, goalkeeper of the season is looking a little bit in doubt there. But I don't know. I mean, they started, um, I'm going to butcher his name, but Genduzzi or whatever his name is, this 19-year-old Frenchman, Matteo Genduzzi. Yeah, he looks like a younger um, David Louise running around there. Yeah, he looks like a small David Louise. He started, um, Ainsley Maitland's Niles started, who was really young. He got subbed off and hurt. But they made a couple of interesting moves when they had guys like Lucas Torreira, new signing on the bench, Mohamed Elneny, Alex Awobi, Lacazette starting on the bench. Um, so I don't know. It was... It was intriguing. I don't know if it was necessarily a step in the right direction, but if you're looking for something different than Wenger, I guess they brought it. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the other Sunday fixture was Southampton Burnley. Um, nil-nil draw. Um, if you watch that one, I apologize. Um, you know, Try again. Uh, another fixture. Um, and then kind of winding backwards to Saturday. Joe Hart, though. Sorry. Yeah, Joe Hart, Queen Sheet. Queen Sheet um, but, anyway, sorry. You know, we don't need to talk about that match. Yeah. Though, uh, pivoting to, to Saturday, um, you saw a commanding two, uh, a couple of Three two nil wins. Um, Watford two nil over Brighton. Uh, Palace two nil over Fulham gets in, um, and then Bournemouth two nil over recently promoted, uh, promoted Cardiff. Yeah, not really super surprised by any of those. Um, I think that the most impressive performance is probably Palace winning two nil away. Not biased, but um, you know Fulham are they have pretty high expectations and spent heavy. Yeah. And watching that match, uh, palace really deserves the three points. I think they played really well, uh, away at Craven cottage. So it's a really promoted team. That's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at Watford, Roberto Pereira, midfielder scoring twice and they were good goals. And then, um, you know, we, we both expected Cardiff to struggle mightily yeah. and Bournemouth isn't a really, really talented side and, you know, two nil. Yeah, I thought the fixture that was the best watch out of all these was the Wolves 2-2 draw uh, against Everton. So um, in that match, um, Everton went down to down to 10 men um, with the red card to Jagielka, which was a bit controversial. Jagielka kind of back pass, played it to his right, a little bit far ahead of him, um, slid in very, very firmly. Um, and, and some were saying it was a goal-scoring chance that he denied. Some were saying it was a high boot. Either way, red card, he's off. And then they went down uh, They went down 2-1. Or, no, sorry, they went up 2-1 um, and conceded a late equalizer 2-2. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things from that one. Um, and the, the Jagielka play, I guess we'll start there. 
the, I think the struggle for a lot of people was that there were differing opinions on why he received a red. Like you said, denied a goal-scoring chance or just, like, endangerment to a player. I, I think he just had a bad touch on a back pass and got pressured quick and just kind of slung his leg out there with a high boot. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was a, a sure goal-scoring chance. It was definitely not a safe tackle. Right. I think it was probably a little bit harsh as a straight red, but not, yeah. not crazy. Um, and then the other story of that was Richarlson debut two goals. Yeah, his class wasn't it? after he went on. And everyone was talking about he'd gone like twenty six appearances without a goal. Comes out and scores twice, both nice goals. And then, um, well, the first one was a little bit mucky, but either way. And then, I mean, Ruben Neves was pretty brilliant. Yeah. So that's the other thing with that Jackie Elka red card too. It led to a free kick where Neves scored probably the goal of the first week of the season. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, just fooled Pickford went away from the wall. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, and two two star players that I expect to see more of this season were Charleston. Um, a lot of questions about the expense of that transfer fee, but clearly Marco Silva likes what he sees in him and brought him with him from Watford. And then Ruben Neves and, and that Wolves team, you watching that Wolves team? I, I listened to uh, Nuno Espirito Santo, um, the Wolves manager, his press conference afterwards. The dude is a very well-spoken, creative, intellectual, great beard. Um, hipstery vibes, but he's a Portuguese guy. And he's got a uh, kind of a Jose Mourinho accent, but comes across as a much more personable savant um, in his press conference. So impressive result, um, a good result actually for both of those teams afterwards. Um, yeah, the last thing I'll say about that one too, I think it was a great result for Everton. Um, I mean, Wolves, you're happy to get a point in your first match back up, but Everton away, down a man, great result to get a point. But also, just looking at Everton's, Everton's lineup and watching that match, I wouldn't be surprised if Richarlison moves more into like a center-forward type role going forward. Yeah, they forward. need They don't like have that. anybody else there. So um, they had Sank Tozin, and then um, Nias came on for him. And, I mean, neither of those guys are, are super great. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Richarlison kind of took a more central role going forward. But um, the other highlighted match on uh, Saturday, Newcastle-Spurs. Uh, Spurs got a 2-1 win away. No goals for Harry Kane. Just doesn't score in August. No, doesn't score. He waits to get all. He still scores uh, north of twenty five in a season, but just kind of likes to get acclimated to the season after the first month. So yeah, but I mean, three points for Spurs. You like what you see there, um, and a win away against Newcastle, who are a decent side. So yeah, it's a good result too. for them. Yeah. Um, and then the other match we had from week one was the the Friday match United Leicester. I'm not really sure if we're going backwards here, but we are. Um, and it was classic United two one win. Um, they didn't really. <laughs> to play all that great. They got an early penalty and then a late Luke Shaw winner. Or, I mean, a, a goal and then Vardy got one in in garbage time, yeah. basically. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of classic United, playing pretty defensively, Mourinho style. Yeah, Luke Shaw, his first, first ever club goal. Um, yeah, which is funny, too. Yeah, which is interesting to see. Um, you, you'll, you know, we'll see. That, that team is so deep, I don't know who's going to be starting week in and week out um, for the rest of the season, especially in the back line, but we'll find out over time. Right, that'll develop over time. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of week one. Uh, anything else that, like, kind of stood out to you here? I mean, we saw a lot of kind of what we expected, no super shocks. We didn't mention Chelsea 1-3-0 away against Huddersfield. I'll get to that in a second. No, I think uh, I think the the case in point is you see a lot of – we have 2-0, 2-0, 3-0, 2-0, 2-0, 4-0, um, you know, in games where both teams scored, there was only – 
two results. Uh, well, three, sorry. Um, the Newcastle Spurs result, Wolves, Everton, and Man United, Leicester. Um, and it kind of just goes to show the just goes to show the uh, preparation uh, leading into the season. Some managers who've been with their team got their business done early, felt a little bit more prepared into into the start of the season. Um, Liverpool, for example, known they've been getting Naby Keita for over a year now. Um, and some of these teams who did their business very early, Palace did not spend much, um, but some of these teams bought a lot of new players. You didn't really see them take off, so um, it's important to keep in mind. It'll take a little time for these guys to get into it and, and adjust for sure. Um, but yeah, so we're going to jump to a segment quick before we uh, preview week two. So this segment is going to be called Not to Brag, but where Jack and I get a little chance to um, kind of talk about some of our past takes or predictions. So for me, not to brag, but I did talk very highly of Chelsea and Maurizio Sarri and Jorginho, and they won 3-0 away with their Jorginho goal. And, uh, yeah, I mean, not to brag, but they look pretty good after week one. Yeah, uh, not to brag, but um, I actually had a combined three fixtures go the way that I anticipated. Um, so that's the um, that's Brighton, um, Cardiff, and Huddersfield all losing with a combined score of 7-0 between three fixtures. So those were my three teams that I predicted to get relegated. All three teams lost and didn't score a goal and, quite frankly, didn't come close to winning. So look, kind of looking past just getting one fixture right. But um, after the first week, a clear trend of dominance of, of what teams are going to be struggling towards the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, not to brag, but we're, we're pretty knowledgeable about what we're talking about. So, just goes to show. Yeah, it just goes to show. Anyway, um, so let's talk a little bit about coming into week two here. We've got a couple interesting fixtures. We got games on Saturday, Sunday, and then one on Monday. Um, I guess let's start, Jack. I mean, what which of these matches are you most looking forward to out of these fixtures coming up? Um, you can say, again, bias may come into play, but I'm really, really looking forward to the Monday fixture of Palace against Liverpool. Um, because Liverpool won so handily last week, against West Ham. Um, it was such a dominant win. And that how Palace plays against Liverpool, I think, is going to give me a good barometer of, of where Palace is going to finish in the season. And also um, to try and understand if like Liverpool are going to beat everybody as bad as they as bad as they did West Ham in the first week. Um, it's on Monday. It's a it's Palace's opening game at home. Everyone knows the atmosphere that's at Selhurst. Um, it'll be a good test for Liverpool. And there's a bit of a rivalry that's emerged between those two teams over the past few seasons, ever since Luis Suarez um, had a few tears at Selhurst um, after some, some Dwight Gale equalizers. Yeah, those Dwight Gale heroics. No, it is interesting. Um, for those who don't know, um, Jack and I obviously are huge Palace fans. We were at the last fixture between... Um, Liverpool and Palace at Selhurst. Liverpool won two one, but Palace seem to play Liverpool very tight uh, every time they play them, and it'll be really really interesting to see how Liverpool come back week two if they can put up a similar goal scoring performance against a little bit more of an established back four. Uh, West Ham we're kind of like putting it together, piecing it together a little bit. Their fullbacks aren't very defensive, um, and then you know Palace have such a good record with Tompkins and Sacco together there. And then Van Anholt and Juan Basaka, their fullbacks, were probably their two best players last week. Absolutely so I think that's the matchup right there as you look at uh, Firmino, Mane, Salah yeah. against those back four and see what happens. It should be really, really good. So I'm excited for that as well. What fixture are you watching? Um, well, obviously, we'll get to the Chelsea-Arsenal one in a minute. That's kind of the marquee matchup. Absolutely. I think the the other one that I'm most intrigued by is probably Spurs-Fulham. Yeah. Um, Spurs just, I mean, last week against Newcastle, they didn't look dominant, but they just looked 
confident. And like that, that's the thing with, um, with this squad, they didn't bring in anybody, but they all know how to play with each other. And they just seem really confident when you watch them. Um, they'll be able to get some of the other guys back in with some more rest this week too. I don't know if Harry Kane's going to finally break this, this gold duck in August he's had <laughs> for however many, I think it's 14 matches. I love that now, phrase, gold duck. Gold thing. duck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pull that one out of football manager, but it'll be interesting. Um, to watch that, I, I'm excited to see what Spurs will do with their first match at home, which is also some controversy because there's a lot of issues going on with New White Hart Lane. So they'll be playing at Wembley for a little bit here yep, again. Yep. Um, and then Fulham bouncing back from a pretty disappointing start against Palace. Um, one thing that was interesting this week is they were having a lot of issues defensively. Um, just guys being hurt, suspended, not ready. Um, they've got uh, Alfie Mawson and Tim Ream both quite weren't ready to play. Um, Dennis Odoi is suspended, and then you got guys like Callum Chambers. They just got Timothy Fosu Mensa, Joe Bryan. So they're kind of piecing it together, and they're just like not, not really established in their back line. Yeah. Um, and then they have a lot of <laughs> a lot of weapons going forward, and they weren't able to break through against Palace. So I think you really want to see a bounce back if you're a Fulham supporter. But this is a really, really tough matchup for you playing away against Spurs. Yeah, you got a couple teams too. Obviously, opening opening up the the season at home. Cardiff, for example, playing uh, the, only, the only game play. in Wales. Yeah, Cardiff City Stadium, the only game in Wales here uh, over the weekend. The early game on Saturday, um, they play at home against Newcastle. So to, big Newcastle will travel well, but um, it's a long way for them to go. Um, I'm also looking at that uh, Leicester Wolves matchup. A little yeah, bit too. I was gonna say, um, you know, so basically the the matchups that are most attractive are the teams that kind of pl- try to play a little bit more attractive in the first week. Um, you know, I'm looking at that Sunday Burnley Watford um, early game, and um, you know, deliberately avoiding that one. But you know, you <laughs> like I think the, I expect the West Ham Bournemouth game to be wide open on Saturday. Could um, see a lot of goals there. Exactly, I expect the Leicester Wolves. But you know, like after that four 0 trouncing, West Ham's obviously going to come out come out hopefully uh, with something to prove. Um, and then Leicester uh, against Wolves, um, Wolves getting a point in their first result, gaining a little bit of confidence um, with the way that game went, um, and then. No, Everton, Southampton, um, Everton opening up their, their season at home as well. Yeah, so. you'd like to get three points if you're Everton there. I mean, these are pretty good matchups. I will say um, I'm not really keen on the Sunday ones, the Burnley, Watford, City, Huddersfield, Brighton, United. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one that seems a little bit up in the air on that one is the Burnley-Watford match, and I don't really like watching either of those yeah, clubs no. very much. So I, I really think that, you know, Saturday there's a, lot of, there's a good slate there. The Monday match should be really good. Um, let's let's dive in a little bit more in depthly here to the Chelsea Arsenal match. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking back to, I mean, how these teams played last week. You look at Chelsea coming off a three 0 win away against Huddersfield, who are expected to be towards the bottom, but still impressive. You win three 0 in your first match. If you're sorry, um, and then Arsenal, they're just still finding their footing a little bit. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be interesting because I, it's I, for me the headline is it's both it's two new managers with their teams against each yep. other, and I think um, you know the first week, Arsenal obviously has the disadvantage of playing City, and Chelsea has the advantage of um, you know banging four goals in, uh, three, three goals in, yeah. um, and I think that you're gonna see these styles and these these two teams go go, go against each other, and it's it's a t- kind of a, a team of two new eras, um, so it's gonna be interesting to see. 
how they how they play. Um, in a tough start to the season as well for for Arsenal going first week City and then second week um, away Chelsea. to Chelsea. Yeah, yeah away to Chelsea. Bridge. It'll be tough. tough. Um, yeah, and they're playing against Chelsea in their first home fixture here at Stamford Bridge, and then I believe next week they play West Ham. So, I mean, if you're if you're Emery, you really need to get some points from this. Yeah, you don't want to be playing from behind this early. Yeah, you don't want to go season. through two games and and don't have any points, right? Because right. you'll be down at the bottom of the table. With yeah, and then and then it just puts the the pressure on for week three here, um, even more so. So, right. I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I mean, we've talked about these two clubs in our preview and how you thought pretty highly of Arsenal or higher expectations than me for Chelsea. So, I I still think Chelsea will probably get three points here. I don't think they're going to do it super easily. I think that Arsenal have some quality, but I just think they're going to take. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal struggled through September. Yeah, and then I, it kind of took a little while to find their footing. And I thought the same thing with Chelsea too, but who knows? It's such a tough start to the season. Like you got to feel for Emery coming in, and, and these are his first games, and then all of a sudden two games are gone, no points, and you're looking up at the table already, and you kind of think, well, that you know, uh, what could I have done here? But um, especially since I, I think Arsenal taken one point from their last seven matches at Stamford Bridge or something like that. Um, that was the nil nil draw last season, so. I think any points for, for Arsenal are good. Um, I do want to see how they line up with, you know, are they going to play Lacazette and Aubameyang at the same time? How, you know, how is Ozil staying in the side? There's a lot of controversy surrounding Ozil um, with calling the, you know, calling the German Footballing Federation racist. Um, you see what Tony Kroos said today? Yeah, Tony Kroos spat on those claims. Right, that the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, yeah, pure German Tony Kroos. I mean, not that I'm saying they are racist, but it's just funny coming from him. It's like... All right, Tony, you're you're basically like yeah, it's, if you could design a German in a lab, that would be Tony Cruz. So <laughs> right? Bottle, I mean yeah, bottle him up and inject him. Exactly. Yeah. Um that is interesting though. And yeah, I agree. Um I think like I said earlier, I think that they looked better with both of them out there. And if they can't find a way to play both of them at the same time, then one of them's probably gonna be done with Arsenal by the end of the year. Yeah, which is they're, 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 they're high profile guys. And Obama Yang looked very good. Um They've both been just the, the, the guys for their teams. Aubameyang, actually, he scored the most goals in the Premier League last year after his debut for Arsenal. So, I mean, he's, he's actually somewhat proven the fact that he can score in the Premier League. Lacazette was pretty lackluster last year. Yeah. But it'll be interesting. It'll be very – that's the fixture list I'm most excited yeah, to see. I mean, like, what, or the lineup list, excuse me. What, I want to see who's on that team sheet. I'd like to see – I'd like to see either Aubameyang or Lacazette. One of them kind of split out wide a little bit or, or even if they played kind of like a um, a 4-1-2-1-2 um, and, and kind of play a little bit narrower. Uh, and then you could kind of see they could – either Aubameyang or Lacazette could drift out on one side uh, in, in opposite – um, to Mctarian because I think Mctarian likes to like to drift inside and then drift out. Um, and I rate Mctarian. I, I've been kind of waiting for him to to take off in the Premier League. It's just it's just interesting when you have their two best attacking midfielders are Mctarian and Ozil, and neither of them have a lot of pace. So they're both guys yeah. that you don't really you can't really rely on on the wing. I know they play Mkhitaryan out there a lot, and he did yeah. for United and back um, in Germany too. But almost like Juan Mata types, you know, right? Or like a David Silva, where they're more just like ball on their feet, distributor type players, rather than running onto it. And Aubameyang's really the one with the pace, but he's probably their best goal scorer too. So it's it's a tricky situation, and maybe they just don't have the best personnel to match up with everybody in that that squad. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think it'll be. That's the, the game of the week for sure, the one to look forward to. So yeah. that'll be the late game on Saturday. If you're going to tune into anything, I would tune into that one. Yeah, get up for that one. There's no yeah. excuse. 
Um, anything else about week two? Any players you're looking out for? Any uh, anything else? No, I do want to see. Um, I do want to see the bounce back for Felipe Anderson um, out wide for for West Ham and establish his first game at home. Um, and then, I mean, th- that's the headliner for me. And then I want to see um, at at home. I'd like to see your Jorginho debut as well. Yeah. Um, and then also how Man City kind of reacts to Kevin De Bruyne being out for two months. Like what lineup are they going to play at home against lowly Huddersfield? That'll be interesting. And the thing with City is I was looking at their running in their next six matches. They really don't play anybody. So yeah. the timing of the injury is convenient for them if they were ever going to have one. Um, it will be interesting to see too who they play. Um, I mean, last week alone, they like didn't start Leroy Sané. They didn't start Kevin De Bruyne anyway. Yeah. So they, they clearly have the depth for it. Yeah, um, no, I don't think they're too worried about it. No, I don't think they are either. I think they'll be just fine without him. It's crazy to say that because I think he's maybe the best player in the Premier League. But um, yeah, it's a bummer if you're a fan. But And then do you reckon Crystal Palace on Monday, do they, will they start Vicente Gaita or Wayne Hennessy? Uh, I mean, Wayne Hennessy, I think, was man of the match last week. He wasn't man of the match, but he played well. well. Depending on who um, you ask, I mean, he he was great. So I don't think you take it away from him. After yeah, we just had we just had um, inquiries from our CPFC Buffalo friends. Um, apparently, there's been <laughs> young men out there asking for Wayne Hennessy style haircuts. We, we have pictures actually. Um, so yeah, shout out to CPFC Buffalo Dale and his son Patrick going with the Wayne Hennessy chop uh, after he went out and. Put up a clean sheet week one and yeah. had a great match. I'm going to get the Wolf Zaha dreads next. <laughs> um, but anyway, so um, just to kind of wrap things up here, we're going to do one more, a little, bit, a little more of a fun segment here. Um, working title is the Twitter Research Corner. So the, basically the idea behind this is Jack and I, Ridge and I, follow a bunch of really stupid football Twitter accounts. Too many. Um, they all basically have variations of the same name. They're either like Unilad Football or... Football sport or lab Bible or a different or, formation or like four two three one right. or four three three or five four one. They all post the exact same things, um, and they're all pretty dumb. We had two really interesting stories this week. One of them is not just from Twitter. This one is something we wanted to talk about, but it's uh, revolved around Maurizio Sarri's smoking habits. So if you haven't read into him too much, I know Jack thinks I have a man crush on him, but I, I kind of do. But this is pretty funny. So he has a very very bad smoking habit. The rumors are, um, and this is from several different sources now, that he is used to smoking about 80 cigarettes a day, um, which I think is like four or five packs. I, I, you know how in like elementary school they show you like this is what a lung looks like <laughs> after smoking eighty cigarettes a day for X amount of time. Yeah. I don't honestly want to see what his lungs do if they look like that. Like it they can't be good. Um, so obviously that's a bad habit, Maurizio. Like. Chew some nicotine gum or something. Um, But, so, it wasn't as big of a problem when he was the manager at Napoli because he could smoke on the touchline in Italy. They didn't really have rules against that. Italians, man. Yeah. But, now in the Premier League, there are very strict smoking rules about smoking in any stadium. So, if you watch Chelsea's match from Saturday, you could find him actually chewing on a cigarette butt throughout the entire match, basically. (laughs) Because he couldn't smoke, so he was chewing on a cigarette butt. And I've read into this a little bit. Uh, apparently, Chelsea are looking into building or designating a smoking area on their ground in Stamford Bridge specifically for him to be able to smoke. I mean, it's pretty wild. 80 cigarettes a day? Yeah. That is disgusting. I remember like hearing growing up, like, oh, a pack a day, and I thought that was insane. This is like four or yeah, five what, packs a day. Yeah, it's, that's, 
the fact that he chews on a cigarette, yeah. it's like, hey, I, that's how we. That's how we. <laughs> I go through. Uh, I go through thirty beers a day, so I just chew on a beer cap. Like, right, right. So. Just like he likes to smell or something. I, I mean, that's Weird. that's pretty wild. Anyway, so that's that's our first form. The other one is far more bizarre, if you believe it. So um, this one was originally courtesy of. Let me see. Um, Unilad Footy. So again, one of these like variations of the same names. They probably all tweeted this, but the original tweet is Turkish club Goalspor have sold 18 youth team players in order to buy 10 goats. So 18 youth players to buy 10 goats. Sales from the goats milk is expected to raise 5,000 Turkish lira. Hope I'm saying that right. Which will eventually be used on first team expenses. That was the tweet version. I did a little bit more research. Now, these sources aren't as credible. One is The Sun, which we know is not... Blank fest. I mean, it's a trash trash paper in the UK. The other one is Reddit, so who knows? Very trustworthy. But this is a non-league side in Turkey. And basically, here's the story. They have about 150 youth players in their club, and they're hurting for, for funds at this point. So they sold 18 of their players for around 2,000 euros used those funds to buy 10 goats. The plan is that they're hoping to increase their flock of goats to about 140 goats by the year 2024. In that time, sell the goats milk and meat for a profit, and that'll be a source of income where over the course of the next six years, they expect to make profit off that and be able to reinvest into their first team. Genius. Grassroots football is finest, right? I, honestly, genius. The, if you if you aren't doing that, if you aren't selling the youth academy products for livestock, you're behind the times. Yeah. So, in in theory here, if we ever see goal sport bro, uh, like blow up in the next ten years here, the formula is going to be youth players sold for livestock, sold for first team additions. I don't know. I also read something. Apparently, their manager was getting really sick of losing all these youth players and not getting any compensation for them. So just he just decided to like instead. jump in early and be like, "Hey, you know what? Before you leave on a free, we're gonna sell you for a goat." Actually, that's that's the best part too. Is the ratio was about two, close to two players per goat. If you think about it that way, that's yeah, pretty it insane. Shouldn't be, it shouldn't be the other way around, right? Or, or at least more than that, like ten goats per player, right? Like. I mean, you'd think that a human football player is more valuable than a goat, but you can't milk a player, so I don't know. Yeah, you know. Um, and <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I just want to, I want to be in that room one day, like sitting around thinking, "Oh man, we're doomed. Like we suck, we suck." And then, like, who comes up with that idea? You know, in that boardroom when they're you know throwing shit at the wall trying to get it to stick. Um, who comes up? Someone just says goats, and then someone puts their hand on the forehead and says, "Genius! Why did we not think of this sooner?" Like, do they, I mean, do they already have a farm on like the training grounds? There's or? obviously so many questions. Like, if we have, if if you're a listener and you're please fact check this because yeah. I tried and this everything I found. Just if you're traveling to Tur- up, if you're traveling know. to Turkey in the near future, we, I mean, we'll look at the, you know some kind of GoFundMe campaign to get you there to figure out whether or not this is legitimate at all. Um, that's that's top priority at this point. Yeah, well, so <laughs> that was our Twitter research corner. Uh, send us your tweets. If you find anything funny on here, we'd love to talk about it. Um, but that's pretty much it we have for this week. We've been trying to um, cut down our time, so these weekly ones will probably be around 30 minutes each. Yep. Um, we'd love to send in like questions, topic ideas. We had a couple people send some stuff to us this week, which was really cool. So continue to do that. We're, we're happy to talk about anything. If you feel like we're sliding your club, I don't want to hear that. I don't care about... Uh, any of those gripes, but other than that, um, 
Feeling pretty good. Anything you got out Got in your mind, Jack? You want to get off here? Yeah, just a couple we... logistical things. We'll, we'll get on Spotify pretty soon here. Uh, Spotify or um, SoundCloud's bugging me to pay for some kind of premium membership. So obviously, we're going to jump ship there. Um, if you're looking for logs of the pod, just follow uh, my Twitter, um, JackRidgeway12. Um, I tweet out links to the pod, or you can just follow our SoundCloud and kind of scope through those there. Um, and we'll, again, we'll get these out to you every week so you can check out on the results. Yep. The, the last thing I'll leave for our, our American fan base is the, the last bit of news is La Liga. Um, announced today that they are scheduling a, a fixture in the states um, over the next few seasons. So if you 15 saw fifteen year agreement, apparently, yeah. If you saw anything about that, obviously great that footy's coming stateside uh, from European. You expect to see more of that. I'll we'll probably touch on this a little bit more in the future, but um, I would warn everybody: don't get too excited until you find out whether or not it's Barcelona or Real Madrid coming over or Atletico, because it's a three team league. And if you get like a Malaga Valencia fixture over here, like in New York, like. Quite frankly, who the hell cares? Yeah, well, maybe they'll fill it out. Um, that is interesting. Apparently, the Europeans are pissed, too, I've been seeing. They, they don't like that. We're getting some of their matches over here. Yeah, but, well, you know. Um, the last thing I wanted to say here is a logistical thing as well. I'm going to be on holiday, as they say, next week. So we should be dropping another pod uh, middle of next week, but it'll actually be with Jack and his sister, Marth, who works for Detroit City FC, a small club in Detroit. She's got a lot of experience working for some clubs. It'll be really cool to have her on. So be on the lookout for that. Um, But that's pretty much it for this week. Yep. Just goes to show. Thanks for joining in. Everybody's human. Thanks. See you next week. Bye.